Beach Church. It's good to be worshiping with you this morning. Um, join me in prayer, if you'll move. Father, we thank you that you reign forever, that you reign in majesty. Father, that we would cry, holy, holy, holy is your name. We thank you that for all eternity we can explore the depths of your holiness and your perfection, and we'll never grow bored and never grow tired of it, that your beauty is unending and your glory is, is too much for us to bear. Father, we thank you for being willing to, to share your divine nature with us, that we may behold it and see your beauty. Father, as we read your word today, we ask that by the Spirit we might understand, we might apply these things, and they might change the way that we live, and they might glorify you, and we might enjoy being in fellowship with you. Father, would you bless this time? We pray in Christ's name. All right, so what happened this morning? But the printer stopped working, so yay! Uh, <laughs> Um, but we'll, we'll make do. So uh, today, today we're continuing in our series um, that everyone needs a, it's been a friend, everyone needs a friend, everyone needs someone to, to partner with us in the gospel that we might be led. And today we're looking at a, kind of a, a unique type of friend. Today we're looking at how everyone needs a spiritual father, a spiritual father. Now, we're going to specifically be looking at Paul this morning. Now, Paul is kind of the, the archetype of, of the spiritual father in the New Testament, that he creates the churches, and he sustains them, and he is responsible for their well-being. And so today we're talking about how we all need spiritual fathers in our lives, those who will carry us along, those who will rebuke us, those who will discipline us, those who will take responsibility for carrying us in the faith. And so, with that in mind, uh, I, have to, I have to admit that this is a hard topic because we don't want spiritual fathers in a lot of senses. That we don't want people to have authority, we don't want to have to be the children in a lot of regards. That it's easier if, if we can do it alone. And yet, uh, the problem with the Corinthian church that we're going to see this morning is that, that they didn't want a spiritual father. They didn't want Paul to be their spiritual father, and they suffer for it. Their theology suffers, their, their worship suffers, and actually their, uh, their love for people suffers with it. And so today we're talking about the fact that, that we need to kind of sit under spiritual fathers rely upon them and, and follow them. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 4, 8 through 21. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 8 through 21. As we read through this passage, I want you to I want you to look at and notice three points. That we have spiritual fathers that we might be be humbled and we might be admonished. We need spiritual fathers 
as, as those who will, who will walk the path of the cross with us and for us. And then we need spiritual fathers as ones that we can lean into. So there's three things. Three things. First, we need someone to, to humble and admonish us. We need someone to, to walk the path of the cross and death and resurrection. And we need someone to imitate. Those are our three things that we're going to see that spiritual fathers do for us. So look at, let's look at 1 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9. Read with me. Already you have all you want. Already you've become rich. Without us you've become kings. And would that you did reign, so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us as apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death. Because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. For the present hour we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ, Jesus, through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in the church. Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will soon come to you, if the Lord wills, and I will find out the talk of these arrogant people, not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod, or with love, and with a spirit? Intense passage. Intense passage. And what is this passage doing? This is Paul pleading with the Corinthian church to receive him as a father. And that's kind of what the whole letter to the Corinthians is about. The Corinthians actually wrote a letter to Paul, basically saying, like, yeah, we, we got this. We have our theology straight. And essentially it questioned his authority and said, you know, we don't, we don't really want you as an apostle. That we have better apostles than you. They're super apostles, and, and we choose them. We like them better. And so this, this whole letter is Paul pleading with the people and trying to convince them to, to follow him and to receive him. And so this is how he starts, verse 8. Already you have all you want. Already you've become rich. Without us, you've become kings, and would that you did reign so that we might share the reign with you. All right, what is the tone here? What's the tone? All right, we got it. Uh, all right, so if you mess up the tone, you don't understand the Bible, you don't, you don't understand anything. When Casey and I first came to the East Coast, we thought everyone was mean, and everyone was angry. And everyone was, like, just bitter all the time. And we didn't get the tone. People, people on the East Coast, when they joke, 
they give no inflection in their voice. It's like straight dry. And you're supposed to know, like, oh, no, this isn't a straight insult. They're just joking. But you have to understand that. And so, like, we'd be like, Casey would be, like, crying at the grocery store because it's like ladies joking with her. But if you miss the tone, you get all messed up. All right. And I have to, I have to warn you, the Bible's tone is not all, like, reverent spiritual fluffiness. And it's also not super serious all the time. That we can misread the Bible, and we actually do really goofy things with passages. I've heard this same sermon when it has a different tone. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But, but we got it. His tone is sarcastic. It's like bitter and sarcastic in a lot of ways. This is, this is Paul rebuking the people. And there's a point at which we, we can rebuke like this. And why, why is he rebuking with sarcasm? Because the Corinthian church, they're snobs. They are fancy pants snobs. All right? And they, they think that they're like the most elegant, the most, uh, sorry, eloquent, not elegant. Maybe they think they're elegant. They're eloquent, they're, they're educated, they're wealthy. And so they see Paul, and Paul just looks like a loser. And they don't want this, like, dirty, washed-up apostle to, to be their apostle. But they think they can do better. And so, to, to engage with snobby, fancy-pants people, he takes a certain tone, he takes a sarcastic tone. What does he say? Already you have all you want. Already you've become rich. Without us, you've become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. He's basically saying, like, yeah, who, who needs an apostle? You guys are doing so fantastically well. And I wish you were kings. Because then I might reign with you. Because life, life isn't going all that well for me. Look at verse 9. For I think that as God has exhibited us apostles, sentenced to death, we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. Paul's saying he doesn't get the privilege of, of reigning. He doesn't get the privilege of, of being fancy. Instead, he feels like a dead man walking. That his life is like the constant green mile. And there's this, this spectacle watching him go to the gallows every single day. That's his life. His life is, is walking to his death. And so Paul is saying, like, I, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could be like that. And then he starts contrasting. He starts contrasting the two groups. Verse 10. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. So on the one hand, these guys are, are wise and strong and held in honor. And Paul, Paul's foolish and weak and held in disrepute. Now, the natural question is, why do they look so different? Why does Paul and the Corinthian church, why do they look so different? And what the Corinthian church is saying is, well, we look different because we're better than you. Like we're, we're better than this apostle. 
are strong because I've been weak for you. You guys are, you guys are, are saved from suffering because Paul has suffered in their place. And now they're turning around and saying, you know what, Paul, you're good. You're embarrassing us. Take that back. No, everything I did that's embarrassing is for you. All right. What is this like? All right, this is like the teenager teenager who makes fun of his parents who goes to his parents and says like you know you're not you're not that you guys are so lame you're not cool you're not young you're not hip you're not fun and you could turn it around on him and say well you know why am i so lame and why are you so cool maybe it's because like you work all day so that you can have a lifestyle of doing all the fun cool things that you like and we can buy you the cool outfits that you don't work for. And, you know, we're lame because we have to go to work every day and you don't. And we're not young and fun because when we were young and fun, we decided to have kids, which made us lame and boring. Like, you, you guys did it. Like, it's your fault. And so I think I think of when, when, Remy, when Remy comes at me with that, I'm going to go right to this passage and just, like, I can't wait to use it. But um, I'm looking forward to the day. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, but um, the thing is, we have, to, we have to hear that rebuke first before we can use it against our teenagers. Um, we all forget that we, we've all received some of this. Now, I realize this, this, so far this sermon is kind of something a little like topical. Um, no, we all, we all don't want to submit to authority because we think we're all forget the fact that like the only thing that you have is because of someone else everything you have is because of someone else that maybe maybe you've received it from from parents or from siblings or from friends or from pastors from theologians of the past from paul himself from the prophets from the judges and then we turn around and say well we stand on their shoulders, we stand on their suffering, that because they've suffered, we have all of this. Now, we can say that in a, in a spiritual sense, we can say this in a practical sense, like, people suffered to give us the lifestyle we, we have. And then we, we turn around and we want complete independence, and, and we don't want to submit. And, and we do that with God, too. That we can receive all of these blessings from God and then we say back to God God you're you're boring you're not that fun to hang out with I don't like you that much and you're just not cool even as he gives us everything that we we cherish and love every blessing and then and then we, we reject him that's what we do that's sin that's 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 our heart what spiritual fathers do spiritual fathers remind us, us us of that stuff they remind us like what is this that you're doing all those all those times that you're forgetting remy all those times that like you weren't even aware like you're, you're receiving and receiving and receiving and the spiritual fathers do that they can they have the bigger perspective 
remind us of how much we have been blessed, how much blessing we've received from God and from each other. That's why we need to hear from Father. And he can do that for us. All right, so that would be the first answer. The first answer would be that, that Paul's saying, you know what? The second reason Paul says that that he looks so different from the Corinthian churches, Paul says, we look different because I'm more mature than you are. And that's where Paul actually, he shatters all of the the illusions of the Corinthian church. That the Corinthian church, yeah, they say that they're wise and, and they're wealthy, but Imagine the people living in those thinking that like they're on top of the world and they're like they're 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 so wise and they're so wealthy and they're so educated and like yay them and their houses are going to topple off the off the cliff and they don't even realize it that's the corinthian church that they're like so excited about themselves and paul's desperately trying to tell them like no no this like this thing you're calling wisdom it's not wisdom it's wealth you're calling wealth it's not spiritual fathers in your life? Who are the people who you interact with that you could actually realistically hear a rebuke from? Who know you well enough to tell you what your heart is, is, is going after and they can call you back? Do you have those people in your life? 
willing to hear it. Now, what, what is that going to happen? Where is that going to happen? That could happen in something like, like a reading group, like a, a life-on-life group that's happening this fall, um, in something like Sunday school. There need to be kind of small places where you can actually can be challenged to grow. mature people telling you uh, all the ways you're screwing up is, is very difficult. But we trust that, that as our Father, that they are disciplining us accordingly. So how can you, how can you find a spiritual father? Where do you go? Where do you go? You have one. First one. responsibility to actually say these things and and tailor your rebuke to people in ways that they'll hear it, even if it's sarcasm because they need to hear it that way. It's important. Alright. Alright, next up. So, but serious fathers are not just angry guys who rebuke everyone. Um, sometimes that's what they devolve into. But there's a, there's a second aspect to this. The second thing that they do is they, they walk the path of the cross. They walk the path of Jesus they go to the cross and show us the way of the cross. So, look at how, how Paul describes what this life looks like. Verse 11. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed, buffeted, and homeless. We labor, working hard. Now, just vo- vocabulary. Buffeted, that means like beat up. You know, like beating sticks and stuff. Um, Paul suffers. Suffers so that these people might receive the gospel. And that, that's what a spiritual father does. He suffers so that people might receive the grace of Christ. And that's where, like, we all want to be leaders in the church. Like, no, we don't. Because this is what you're signing up for. You're signing to, to suffer so that other people might know Christ. And it's a painful process. Get out of it. Don't do it. But if you're called to that, then then this is what it looks like. It looks like suffering so that other people might know Christ. But there's another aspect to it. Keep uh, going. Uh, halfway through 12. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we intrigue. We have become in our sphere like the scum of the world, the refuse of all nations. What is Paul doing? living by grace. This is Paul living by grace. That what is, what is grace? Grace is people should deserve judgment and evil. They should they deserve slander in return. They deserve to be reviled in return. But Paul refuses to give in to that. 
when he's persecuted, he doesn't go after them. He doesn't try to stop it. He, he receives it as suffering from God's persecution. When people are, are being cruel to him, he's not cruel to others. Now, what is that? That is, that is faith. That is how Jesus receives his faith. Now, oftentimes I'm afraid that leaders who do that are treated like That's what a, a real spiritual father does. A real spiritual father doesn't do that. He receives all of this suffering, and he gives people back the grace that they do not deserve. And that's actually why, why we follow. We follow because we are loving us despite our faults. And because the grace is actually we love Christ, and that is how Christ loves us. He gives us his own spirit. And so, we have to, we have to ask ourselves, do we like when we see grace displayed? Do you like it? Do you, do you, do you think it's honorable? Or when people show grace, do you kind of like, oh, they, they rolled over and died? Does it feel like they're giving up? Does it feel like they're shirking their responsibility? Honestly, that's probably how I usually perceive it. Is I see someone giving grace to someone else, and it's like, oh, like they should have—they should have done something. They should have stood up. When the way of the cross looks very different. That it looks like showing grace means putting on discipline and loving them. message. It's a hard message. And Paul recognizes it's a hard message. So in verse 14, what does he say? I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as beloved children. Paul is not shaming them. He is loving them. He's loving them. He's treating them as, as children that he loves. And he's saying to them that, that he does not want them to, to get to the end of life and find that they have wasted everything. That everything is going to them to, to end life with spiritual riches and joy and, and fruitfulness. And then he says, verse 15, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when you were baptized. There, there's plentiful. There are plenty of people who can tell you what to do. And there are plenty of people who will throw 
give you a kind of a touch and go once-off membership. But then there are fathers. And fathers are rare because fathers will, will suffer with things. They will rebuke you. They will tell you things you don't want to hear and, and take the pain of it. find a spiritual father. Uh, but then verse 16, uh, I urge you then to be imitators of me. Imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, so that you may have confidence in appearing before me. That's the main point of the passage. That's the main point of the passage. I urge you then be imitators of me. That's the final thing that spiritual father calls you to imitate. That as the father walks in the path of the cross, the death and resurrection of Jesus, he calls us to imitate. And in that, the next verse is, some of you are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I'll come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? He's basically saying, like, please be imitators of me. That you might not have to sit with me. He's trying to save them from the discipline of the world, from the discipline of natural consequences, from the discipline of God they might hear his word and imitate as they follow Christ. Alright. Uh, so, go and be imitators of spiritual fathers. Alright, that kind of sucks. That, that's not a great application here. Um, and that's where we were reminded once again that we're not done with the passage till we've talked about Jesus. spiritual father you're going to find is going to be a fallible human being. And you're not going to be able to imitate him. You shouldn't. Because you'll be imitating his sin. And that's where ultimately we're all looking to Jesus. That Jesus was the, the original spiritual father. I know we think like, oh well, shouldn't, shouldn't God the father be the original spiritual father? Jesus reveals the Father. And actually, Jesus was the, the perfect son. That we've been talking about spiritual fathers and how we need to listen to our spiritual fathers and obey our spiritual fathers and, and seek our spiritual fathers. Ultimately, we need Jesus. Because you know what? Jesus, Jesus perfectly obeyed the Father. the way for us. 
the spiritual father, if he humbles, Jesus is willing to be humbled. He was humbled like us. That he came to dwell on this earth, he became poor. He became destitute, he becomes dishonorable. He was rejected, he was despised. Jesus Christ, he was, he was not just, it, oh, it seems like a man who was going to, to his death. Jesus went through 